0: All right, I think we're live. Woohoo! Now let's see if anybody listens. Let's see if we can get some people on here.
1: Sure, I don't welcome know. to the show. Yeah, welcome
0: to the Jig Is Up. We're live. Um, so I don't know if anybody's out there is hooked up yet, but we'll wait till we get a few listeners on and we'll see how that goes. If we get any listeners or Actually, let's just jump into the show, I guess, and we'll start. Um, I guess one of the things we had—well, there's a lot to talk about. I'm um, just bringing up some of my material. All right, there's somebody's on the line there, Alberta Al. He's on the line, so welcome to the show. Um, So let's start talking about the Métis National Council's response to the pipeline, where they, oh, we got somebody else on, hello, Big Sturgeon. Um, So the Métis National Council issued a statement on February 4th um, uh, about the Trans Mountain Pipeline by the federal cabinet, and they said it's about, it's a time to move on with this important nation building project it will enable Canada to move its energy resources to markets and will enable Indigenous peoples, including Métis Nation, to finally participate in and benefit from a major project of this magnitude. Uh, so they went on to say how important this is. Now, this is at the same time, of course, that they're the Wet'suwet'en are being removed from their land. Now, I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of misnomer or misdirection uh, when it comes to what's happening with the Wet'suwet'en. Yeah. Because... There's a lot of people that think this is anti-pipeline, pro-pipeline. Yeah, But the real issue is not about pipelines because even the hereditary chiefs of the Witsuit agreed to the pipeline, but wanted alternate routes used. Yeah. So this is about profit over people. And uh, just, you know, it's, it's not anti-pipeline or pro. Well, and, and that, for- I
1: think that's an important thing to note is that there was the actual ability to put the pipeline through the territory in an agreed upon, uh, alternate route. The bigger challenge is, is they still want to push it through. So what does having, um, what was the point of the court case then if they don't have autonomous ability to dictate where they want the pipeline to go in their territory, yeah, then really they have no autonomy at all. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's just it. I mean, there's a lot of people talking about, well, the rule of law, the rule of law. But the truth is, is the rule of law is in their court. It's in their side of things because they won a Supreme Court of Canada case that say they have full and complete control over that unceded territory. Which go, And so effectively, Canada's invading a sovereign country, a sovereign nation.
1: Well, and even to the point where they've already sat down with the energy sector, they already proposed an alternative route. So they weren't opposed unilaterally you know, yeah. to no pipeline. Yeah. And what this boils down to is now the government is going to side with the oil and gas companies to push it through on its original route. Yeah. And so where is their ability to have that sovereignty over what happens where in their territory? Yeah. Well, and so I think it's
0: very poor timing that they decided to come out with this statement supporting. A pipeline when they're basically you know on the other side of the country they're using violence to remove people um, to put a pipeline through a place where people don't want it now the other part of this that I always find interesting that is very hypocritical is the MNC went out last year and signed a deal on the east coast with the Mi'kmaq a, a memorandum of understanding agreeing to work together to uphold indigenous land rights and and harvesting rights against those the scourge of the east those eastern metis that are all fake and and trying to usurp indigenous rights but then they go ahead and support pipelines that even when they are agreed to but wanting alternate routes there's violence used to put them wherever they want them and uh, i just i think it's pretty hypocritical
1: Well, then I don't really understand why the MNC would feel the need to even make a statement on this, because I'm not sure how many Métis organizations, companies, or people are actually going to even get a job out of this whole pipeline deal. And then to support them, like you said, to erode a First Nations ability and sovereignty over their territory is really counterproductive and really shows how this organization is out of touch with indigenous rights. Absolutely. Yeah, and
0: one of the uh, funny things, and I, I'm, just, I'm just always going to mention this, is at the bottom of every statement they have this little, the MNC represents blah blah blah, and they always mention how they there are approximately 400,000 Métis Nation citizens in Canada. Um, So 400,000 citizens of the Métis Nation, which means that would be like alluding to Métis, like they're all on memberships, they all have memberships. But that kind of transitions into the MNA's response to uh, their little battle going on with the MNC as far as who has control. And uh, we're going to talk a whole lot about this probably, but in their statement, they they make a point to say that they have 42,000 citizens. And they are the largest of all of the Métis Nation organizations with that many. So, so if we have Basically, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba, and then only tiny fragment of BC and a tiny fragment of, of Ontario is what they claim. Yeah.
1: You can't get 400,000 out of that. So even if you said that, let's say Alberta was bragging, and let's <laughs> pretend Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba all had the same numbers, BC and Ontario had half as much each. Yeah. But that's only 168,000 members across yeah. their entire blue blob map so where do you get four hundred thousand? yeah it's a it's just a slight discrepancy which you know i'm only going to inflate this by about 300 <laughs> percent
0: well then it just goes to show they're using statistics canada data to brag about metis citizens but what they then they go on to ignore uh, Statistics canada when they talk about metis and all the other provinces mm-hmm. which you know that's a whole ball of like ball of wax there because then you just start getting into well what about the red river metis that might have moved there to other provinces and now aren't represented by anybody blah 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 so it's it's just kind of a, a running joke i think for me that they keep claiming this four hundred thousand people but
1: yeah it's it totally is again this hypocritical position of saying we represent all metis people and that's on a stats can number but when you look at their actual registries even in Alberta, there's only forty-two thousand, but we know from StatsCan that there's just over a hundred thousand people who self-identify as Métis. So it's yeah. such a fictitious back and forth. It's like they want to pick whatever facts they want, yeah, to make themselves look good. Yeah, whatever works for them.
0: Whatever, whatever works to to make them. And and I think that has a lot to do with when you're, you know, trying to go to the media and represent yourself as this big government organization, when in reality you are still just a nonprofit corporation representing 42,000 members. Yeah. And legally, that's what you are. Because even the agreements they've signed to be called governments by the Canadian government rely heavily on the fact that you need to have a constitution and there's loopholes you got, or there's things you got to jump through. Mm-hmm. And they haven't done any of that. No. So if they haven't done any of that, you can't call them a government yet. So,
1: and that was pointed out by... Yeah. Well, and they, they even said that to get a constitution is years of consultation away. Yes. So it's not not something that they're in the works <coughs> for. They signed that paperwork last year, yeah, or the year before. I think just before the election, and now I mean we're already into the the new term, and I would be highly surprised if the MNA, at any level in the next four years before the Liberal government's out of office, they got a constitution together at all. Yeah. So if being a government of the Metis people is dependent on having a constitution. How many years out are we from having that for the MA? So really until that happens, like you said, they're still just a society formed under the Societies Act. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's I've always had a
0: you know, it's been very obvious that they they hide behind the Societies Act when it's convenient, but then they jump out and say they're government when it's also convenient. Yeah. So we're a government. But we we hide under the Societies Act because then that way we don't have to have any transparency or accountability. Such as, what is Audrey Portra's mm-hmm. you know, expenses for the last month? Yeah. Well, if she was a government, she might have to report that stuff yeah, online. Girls, yeah. But being a society, you don't have to do that. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's really convenient. They can just
1: jump back and forth and keep everybody in the dark and not really do anything. Yeah, they always just put a best spin on it. Yeah, Whatever suits the moment to keep your PR game good.
0: Absolutely. That's what they do. Yeah. So they had a response to the Métis National Council uh, and this whole big fight with Ontario and the three, the trifecta of organizations that came together. And I just, I think it's, uh, some of it is interesting. Some of it's kind of funny. So I just wanted to read a little bit of it, little bits of it here. Uh, So one of the statements was, they said, you should be aware that the MNC is now almost solely controlled by the Manitoba Métis Federation. With periodic appearances by the National President, Clem Chartier, and in parentheses, who claims to have, quote unquote, stepped aside, the MNC Board of Governors have not met in over 14 months. The MNA currently has no input or advance notice in relation to MNC activities and announcements. And uh, we just got something here that says the government of Alberta confirmed that the MNA doesn't represent all Métis by acknowledging the Mackay metis group today i totally agree with you alberta al uh, and we are actually working our way towards that for sure because that's an interesting little battle in and of itself um so but i thought that was interesting how you know the so their statement about the the mnc is that um, now it's basically under the control of the mmf which of course it is. it's david Chartrand and him and clem i think have been working for years to amalgamate power and in, into the two of them um so that's not a surprise it just it's kind of interesting to see the mna actually put that out
1: yeah there was an interesting and it's an interesting take if you have a chance to go to their website the MA's article or i guess their statement is actually fairly revealing in a lot of regards to the relationship the mna has the mna and the mnc have had over the last you know decade in regards to this whole conversation of what does it mean to be metis where is the actual Métis homeland? there's actually a lot of really interesting points that they make in this article.
0: Yeah. And and because they, they actually go on to say that the, the map that was, that the MNC has put out there last year was actually never agreed to in 2002. Um, So they say that uh, a lot of the MNC's statements on Métis nation identity, citizenship and homeland are particularly troubling and inaccurate. And then they have some accompanying information that is intended. Um, to go on and explain that Mm -hmm. so um
1: yeah they expound on why it was inaccurate and for those who've who've listened to the show we've talked a great deal about that the whole blue blob map that came out last year this whole putting the mno on suspension for their what the mnc claims is their fraudulent registry where they've allowed too mm -hmm. many non-métis into it so the mna's response is actually very interesting
0: well, and they, they go on to say that in 2002, the national definition did not include a new map. Uh, in it, the Métis Nation homeland was defined as the area of land in west-central North America used and occupied as the traditional territory of Métis or half-breeds, as they were then known. Um, so, and then they go on to say that the 2002 national definition had absolutely no legal effect on the bylaws or constitutions of the Métis governments until their own citizens ratified it. Um, and again, they're working on yeah. the constitution, so they haven't even
1: done that yet. But it's interesting then when you see Clem, you go back a year and you see Clem on APTN, uh, you know, chiding the MNO on their registry, coming out with this map and reaffirming their definition of what it means to be Métis. They really did it unilaterally, according yeah. to the MNA. Yes.
0: Oh, and then they even have an excerpt from R.V. Powley um, where they talk about, you know, obviously it was represented by Métis Lawyer Jean-Tillet. Uh, the MNC was an intervener in the case. Uh, Clem Charche and Jason Madden represented the MNCs. So the MNC factum on the case said they recognize, oh, we got, uh, let's see if we got a caller. This will be cool because it'll be the first one, I think. And hello, Alberta Al.
2: Hey, Darcy, how are you? Can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Is there an echo? I just, I don't have a headset, so I'm kind of trying to figure this out.
0: I think if you just uh, use your phone and uh, as your, basically as your mic and your, like a phone call.
2: Okay. Any better now? Yeah, I think so. All right, buddy. so... Um, yeah, I just wanted to comment on your first thing, and sorry, I kind of joined in later trying to figure this out. Your Podbean app, but you—you yeah, uh, you we are too. So <laughs> you were—you were questioning why the MNC would even make some statements, uh, you know, about the pipelines, and of course, they're adding their four hundred thousand representation number anymore.
1: But yeah. uh, I believe both of yeah.
2: you guys have read the book uh, Rotten to the Core, and that's your answer right there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I haven't quite finished that book, but uh, yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to expand on that for anybody who hasn't read it?
2: Um, whoever, anybody who hasn't read it and is interested in the, in indigenous politics in general, they should uh, try find a copy and uh, read it. But uh, basically, they are a shill of the government. They needed uh, indigenous support and they basically, uh, years ago, and it was during the Charlottetown Accord and the Meech Lake Accords, uh, bought themselves some indigenous votes.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, that's good to know, because I've always kind of felt that way about it. So, uh, you know, I've always had my suspicions and we've talked about that a lot. Mm -hmm. How they're just a yes man for the government. So.
2: Yeah, that book uh, is uh, it it pretty much explains it and says it just as blunt as that. Right on. on.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the things I want to do, too, is have a future episode where we actually talk about some of the points in that book. Um, so that'll be coming for anybody who hasn't read the book. Um, and I'd even love to get the author on. So we're going to try to reach out and get her on as well. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thanks man.
2: No worries. Uh, I don't know if you can mute me or, uh, if I just stay online, but, uh, I'll, I'll kind of list, keep listening.
0: Well, I think I can disconnect you, but you can call back in if you want. Okay.
2: That's fair enough. I, I won't be insulted if you hang up. <laughs>
0: all right thanks for the call thanks for, yeah thanks for calling in man and call in again if as we go sounds good
1: and we'll try to put a link to that uh book and the author in the uh description on the podcast and when we post it to youtube yeah and now I, it may cut you
0: off i'm not sure i've never done this so i'm gonna hit yes and see okay so but he's still listening okay so the MNC with their, uh, yeah, we'll definitely get on that book and, and provide links for it, but um, and going back to the MNC, they talk about how the MNC, their statement in RV Pauli is the MNC agrees with the conclusions of RCAP report, that Sault Ste. Marie community is one of the oldest and well-recognized communities within Canada. So that's the Métis National Council saying that back in RV Pauli. Now they're saying, Sault Ste. Marie is not a Métis community, never was,
1: never will be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Falls well outside the definition of the Métis homeland. If only there was a word to describe that, like, called hypocrisy. Yeah, and I think that the real truth is, is like when when uh, Clem was on APTN uh, last year, is and we did a video on YouTube about this, is the idea of uh, the, <clears throat> the identity that comes with the term Métis, so if you call yourself Métis, Last year, the Métis National Council took the position that there were indeed Métis people, mixed blood people outside of the Métis National Council's new map. In you know last year, but they weren't Métis Nation people, mm-hmm. and thus weren't re- You know, they didn't have the the representation within inside that framework. Yeah, and I think it, it's good to know that there has been that shift within the MNC framework last year. It's interesting that we see now that the MNA says that was absolutely just a unilateral decision that did not include any of the provincial organizations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they go on to say how um, in 2015, the MNC um, began to narrow and reinterpret the national definition, uh, but that they didn't provide any advance notice to the uh, provincial organizations which means they had no opportunity to consult with their citizens on these resolutions. Um, And they passed these resolutions on the narrowest of margins, they said. Um, So it's a lot of, a lot of shady things basically going on, but what's interesting to see now is that the MNA has actually come out with this. Um, You know, they, they've made the MNA said they made no decisions on all these communities and that the MNO um, has identified as to whether or not they are historic Métis communities. But unfortunately, they applauded the, the Pauly decision. And if the governments go through, <laughs> totally agree. So Albert Al says the MNC knows exactly who they are since 2002.
1: Yeah, the historic, we've, we often joke about that, the historic definition of being Métis from 2002.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just a lot of hypocrisy, a lot more hypocrisy that we see which just continues. It's kind of always that way. Um, So now I'm just going to, I totally lost my spot here, but I'm going to try to find it again. So now let's talk about what's going on here in Alberta, which kind of, so we're going from the hypocrisy of the Métis nation of Alberta and the the other two kind of separating away from the MNC saying, well, you don't represent us regionally. We want more control. We don't have control
1: over what you're doing. Yeah, you make unilateral decisions and unilateral definitions and, you know, there's no account of, you know, the MNA says there's no accountability from this MNC group. And so, you know, we've seen them, they've, they've signed, uh, you know, the MOU with uh, Saskatchewan and Ontario to work to reform and push past the MNC to have direct representation with the government. So Alberta's positioning themselves, Saskatchewan and Ontario positioning themselves as the actual forms of governments for their provincial jurisdictions. And so it's kind of interesting. So then when you look now when we have a new statement that came out from the Métis Nation of Alberta, talking about Darcy, <laughs> the Fort Mackay and, and all these
0: organizations leaving because they want control because the MNA doesn't represent them and makes unilateral decisions.
1: <laughs> yeah, they don't want, the, you know, they don't want the MNA stepping into their home communities, determining, what happens with the resources and finances on their home turf. Yeah. And now the MA obviously is not a fan.
0: No, not a fan.
1: So if uh, for those who
0: maybe aren't keeping up with what's going on in Alberta that might be listening, um, the Fort Mackay and there is was uh, a few other communities up there who have decided who were Metis communities who are Metis communities, not were. Um, they had locals, they, all these kinds of things. They've decided to leave the MNA or, or start meeting about leaving the MNA and representing themselves as a, as a group of communities. And uh, Fort Mackay is really the leader on this because about a year ago they disavowed the MNA, walked away from their membership and became their own thing. Um, and of course, the MNA plays this off as though they've they've stolen the local Métis local, the MNA local from the MNA along with its resources along with its resources however fort mackay has been all on their own for years building up companies and and developing their own you know industries and resources and jobs and land and buying land and doing all these things and setting up you know deals with resource companies and things like that and whether you agree with all that or not is irrelevant what is the point is they've kind of been doing all this on their own and only now is the m a stepping in going, well, I think we should have a little piece of that pie. So that would mean that the money flows to the M&A, either first or a good chunk of it goes there, mm-hmm. rather than going into these communities. And as we can see, and honestly say with Conklin, the MA has done nothing to provide housing, to provide resources for co- communities up there.
1: Well, and it's it's about the MA saying that the only power that has the jurisdiction to deal with resource companies is the MNA. Yeah. So if you're Métis in the province of Alberta and there's something that's going to impact your community the only person who should be sitting at the table is the council the you know the presidency council of the, the Métis nation of Alberta. Your local will probably just get a note in the mail about what happened. Yeah and one of the
0: interesting comments they made in their statement was um Uh, There are also some MNA local leaders who do not want to be accountable and transparent (laughs) through our democratic self-government. So they have formed unaccountable and privately controlled, quote-unquote, Métis community associations. These associations are not part of the MNA or our self-government. They will never be recognized as legitimate Métis governments because they are not part of the MNA and they are accountable to no one. Um, so I have a real hard time with that because they're accountable to their community. and if their communities, from what I understand, the communities decided to do it. They had a meeting, people showed up. Mm-hmm.
1: they decided to vote out the M a. Yeah. Um, but then on February, what I find funny about that is here we have the M a saying, again, you can't be legitimate. you can't have representation. yeah unless you're part of this structure yes but what was funny is what (laughs) happened on thursday the 13th and what was that well on the 13th the alberta government met with them (laughs) and recognized them as a legitimate metis form of government yes with the ability to negotiate for their community and their resources or whatever they wanted to do in in their home community so the alberta government Disagrees with the MA. Absolutely. Because they're sitting there saying yes. Uh, on the 13th, they sat down and they recognized, yeah, no problem. The McKay Métis Association became the first group in Alberta to be granted credible assertion for its resource development. That was as reported by the CBC. Yeah. So I don't know where the MA got their information, <laughs> but clearly, um, you know, the Alberta government is quite content to deal independently at the community level well and what i find interesting is is i remember being at the meeting in
0: conklin um where when the fish got stolen a couple years ago Mm -hmm. the then minister uh richard feehan went to conklin brought some fish and he did this talk and I, i recorded and i think we put it out on on keeping it real yep um and in it, he starts arguing with one of the Métis Nation local, I think it was a president or somebody like that. I honestly don't know who they are, but I know they were with the Métis Nation of Alberta. And she was saying, they were talking about harvesting cards, and she said, well, only only people with an m a membership can get them. And he said, well, no, the government can't actually legally do that because what if there's people who don't want to be part of your your organization that won a harvesting card, we have to accept them. And they got kind of arguing back and forth. And he was very adamant, like, no, it is illegal for the Canadian the Alberta government to say you have to be a member of this group to be a harvester. Yeah. And here it's kind of the same thing. They're saying, well, you can't be a government, but the Alberta government's saying, well, actually you can. <laughs> so I don't know what lawyers they pay for out of that all their professional fees, the millions of dollars that that they pay in professional fees,
1: but maybe they should get a better ones. Well <laughs> or is I, it
0: just their ego? I,
1: I think that's the challenge. And I think this is where where again you, you really look at the their pot and calling the kettle black, you know. <laughs> so on one hand, they're you know, sh- I know chagrin, you know, the MNC is ruled by the MMF. They have no accountability, yeah. no transparency, they make unilateral decisions. But in the CBC article, the MNA says that they are Shocked and appalled that the guys up north here in Alberta would dare to mm-hmm. become their own independent community. Yeah. But isn't that exactly pretty much what the MA just did to the MNC? They went yeah. and signed their own MOUs. They're going to create their yeah. own bilateral governments with Ontario and Saskatchewan because there isn't all these things. So when, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, so if it's good for the goose. Yes. You know what I mean? I don't see how you can say. We're, we don't like our administrative body, it's not accountable, so we're going to go form our own. But then when somebody cuts you out from underneath and does the same thing, well, now they're just pissed off. Yeah, absolutely. And what I find funny is the MA blames the Alberta government. Says, where's yeah. the honor of the crown in recognizing this community independent yeah. of us?
0: Yeah. And I think that heralds back to the fact that they're a society
1: and a society that they, they are a club. But they didn't. They didn't, weren't appalled. The MNA wasn't appalled when you know Bennett came and signed a MOU with them, recognizing the Métis yeah. Nation of Alberta as a government. Yes, they weren't appalled. No. Nope. So they were they were being happy to be recognized as a government independent of the MNC. But they're appalled if someone else gets representation out after splitting from their organization. Absolutely, and I think a lot of that. I mean,
0: it's funny because they say in here the reason these rogue communities are breaking away is because of oil sands money greed and a desire to not be accountable to the Métis people. I don't know how many shows we've done about being accountable. Where's the MA accountability? Mm-hmm. Where's their expenses? Where Where do they spend their money? What businesses are they investing into? How many Métis people are hired in the Métis Housing Corporation? Like,
1: how many people work? Yeah, for like, the Métis Nation Housing Corporation. What are the salaries of all <laughs> the Métis Nation employees? What, like, where's the accountability there? In transparency, you know? like they they talk like at the community level. If you read the bulletin, they had 124 members of the the local there, who all got together and made this happen. And so when you look at it that's a lot more accountable. These people sat down the 124 community yeah. members, they decided this is what they want to do with their land resources, and the things that were in their community. Oh. And, you know, now they're, they're pissed off. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And we got another caller. So let's see what this guy has to say. Uh... Hello. Hello. Uh, good night. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? I am fine, and uh, happy Valentine's Day. To you too. Yes. So, what's your name? Are you calling in to actually contribute to the conversation? Yes, yes. I would you? like to. I would like to take join in this conversation uh, about Valentine's Day, life. so. No, is, this is not about Joanne. Valentine's Day, buddy.
1: Okay, we're just gonna disconnect there.
0: Alrighty. Well, that was interesting. Our first weird caller.
1: Hey, (laughs) happy Valentine's Day to all you who are tuning in on our Valentine's special.
0: (laughs) This show is about Métis and Indigenous issues. And if you're not interested in that, uh, it's probably not the show for you. So, uh, what the hell was I talking about now? (laughs) Oh, so anyways, (laughs) that was entertaining. I, well, we're talking about transparency and I agree. I think it's, you're much more transparent at the community level. But the truth is, is like, you know, when you look at Fort McKay and what they've done on a community level, they've bought their own land. Mm-hmm. So, the, what the land the community's on is theirs. Yeah. So, it's the, technically private land. And uh, I thought it was really interesting because the MA says they will fight this to the end, they will not allow this to happen, these groups to separate. <laughs> uh, so, sorry, folks, that. Uh, um, Albert Alice says, three or four lonely men having a talk on Valentine's Day night. Uh, it's hilarious. Um, And then there was the statement from Ron Quintal regarding this, which I'm just going to bring up, uh, where he talks about, uh, well, I'll just read it. He says, as you may know, uh, there has been a great deal of controversy surrounding my community and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Uh, Ron Quintal is obviously president of the, you know, Fort Mekhi Métis Community Association. Yeah. My community left the M&A to get away from the corruption and conflict started wherever this club went. It was a very quiet for 6 months until the M&A tried to come into my community to attempt to divide it again. However, we had the RCMP ready to arrest the MNA provincial and regional club leadership for trespassing on the lands of the rights holders. They never did come and it was quiet again for a while. So that statement in and of itself is interesting because you know the the m a can't actually
1: even go there now because it's private land yeah I thought that was quite hilarious I mean that that would be actually you know for, for being critics of the status quo it's it's quite a a funny thing to see you know you have a local because you know who've been blessed to be in a place where they'd be able to you know leverage their finances and lever, leverage some resource extraction <coughs> but it really used it to a good benefit yeah. And now that the MA is trying to muscle them to be able to use, you know, private law to basically say, well, if you come here, we can arrest you for trespassing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fantastic. And we're joined by
0: John Jay. So, hello. Um, so, then they, he goes on to say, now they are all over the region causing havoc wherever they go. Why? So, they can maintain control over their, quote unquote, local club chapters. Problem is, is that many are smart enough to no longer believe their hot air. They are, there are some who just aren't educated enough on the MA to make a measured choice. But there are those who know the difference and still blindly push this archaic club on others. I do not judge those who believe they are doing right and really do care about making a difference. But then there are those who do the same thing over and over, expecting different results. blah, blah, blah. Um, I will stand for those who seek a better path forward. So that was kind of Ron Quintal's, uh, I guess, rebuttal of their their statement but it does it I mean the fact that they're trying to muscle their way back into these communities if and 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 they they you know they they always use UNDRIP whenever they can the MA. but in UNDRIP it says all may or all Indigenous people have the right to choose their representation mm-hmm. so that would mean that by that I would guess that there should
1: be options well and, and we've talked about that before um, yes. The MNA, in and of itself is a society under the Society's Act. If we were inter- interested in creating Métis government and we were going to use the, you know, the, the colonial mindset of doing so, then we should have a couple organizations to do that. Yes. To have that, that counterbalance of representation, Absolutely. not a single source. Yeah. I don't know how you can have a government you know, that, that has no representation, that's basically a board of directors, doesn't make government you can't have a president a chair a secretary a treasurer and make that be government and so how can you have accountability transparency any of those things it's not a multi-party system even in the most colonial sense yeah absolutely well and then you look at the way they're structured
0: with their their locals their locals are offshoot societies like uh franchise societies off of the main society so your local isn't a local government no Like, you know, typically you have, you know, municipal, provincial, and federal. But the way the MA has done it is you have the MA. You have this provincial body. Yeah. But what's best, how does a people in Edmonton decide what's best for Medicine Hat? Mm-hmm. What's best for Lethbridge? Tabor. So you know, they they pay the presidents of these locals a pittance. It's not very much money. But beyond that, it's not like those locals make policy for the local area. Mm. And they put on a few events and they do some, you know, stuff like that. But the governing of it is done all in Edmonton. So I, I applaud Fort Mackay just for the simple fact that governance should be at the community level. Yeah. That's where it should be. The MA should just basically be a coalition of communities. But they they it's way too top down the way it is.
1: Well, and it, it, that's the big challenge. And you look at communities that have access to resource and development, they're able to push their community agendas forward. Yeah. If this had happened according to the MA and its structure, <clears throat> that money first and foremost would have gone into the m as coffers and then to be distributed as they saw fit. Yeah. This provides no community the direct ability to ever better themselves to any degree. If yeah. you wanted to invest in your community in housing, the money would come from your community, go to the MA, then you'd have to petition the m a to get money for your housing. Yeah. Well, that's very circular. Why can't that community whose the development is being directly impacted on the community in the first place, then receive the funds directly for whatever they need? Why? Absolutely. You know, if it's housing, it's housing, if it's, you know, youth services, whatever, that should be the direct involvement that participates in that because that community is going to bear the brunt of that development. Then they should be able to take the proceeds from that and put it where they want. Absolutely.
0: And we see that with, uh, like when we were in Conklin, Mm -hmm. the money doesn't, is not flowing from Edmonton to Conklin. Mm -hmm. And in fact, after the, the fish incident and after we were there for the very first time in the entire reign of Audrey Potra, Madame president, she went to Conklin for the first time ever. And that was like, what year and a half ago, maybe? Mm -hmm. So how does a person who's never been to that community, know what that community wants, or needs? Well, they rely on their locals, but their locals are paid, their locals, local presidents are doing well. Yeah. And so it's the fact that you know, you have people trying to rule uh, uh, communities, but have never been to the communities. And the money just isn't flowing. They have gotten millions and millions on top of millions over the last 15 years for Metis housing. Yet people are living in the
1: bush in shacks mm-hmm. with no heat, no water. Yep, winterized, moldy RVs. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a bad scene. And that, that's the whole challenge. We have, I mean, in Alberta, we have a Metis Nation of Alberta Housing yeah. Division. Uh, but it's urban and I'm not even sure who in the city it services, but let's pretend it was Métis people. I'm, I'm happy that then there would be a facility in Edmonton to do that. But outside of that, you know, these remote communities outside city center show that the money never leaves there. Yeah. So how would your community ever then get enough financial legs under it to do that or better yourself if the money that would then flow right back to the MA? Yeah. Because the millions of dollars the is already getting for housing yep. never leave the city. Absolutely. And then
0: on the flip side of that, let's say you have a community like Fort Mackay, who has signed resource deals with organ with, with uh, you know, energy companies and things like that. So they've got these deals in place. There's money flowing through. So the MA now wants to step in and just take a cut of that. Well, why would they give that up? That's like me walking in and saying, Jason. Just give me 20% of what you make in a year just because I'm a good guy. <laughs> and you'd be like, sure, Darcy. That sounds like a great plan. Why not?
1: Well, or, or <laughs> you know, you say you represent me. Yeah. Oh, hey, well, I'll, I'm representing you all this time to, yeah. you know, the government. So I should really just take a cut of what you're making. Yeah. Because I'm the government. Yeah. And you can't be Métis government. Right. In Alberta unless it's through me. Yeah. So, then I should get a cut of all things that are Metis. Yeah. So, that's basically it goes back again to this concept of trying to own the term Metis and have the definitive definition of being Metis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We all want a little chunk of that. But that's the thing is like, so
0: a community goes out, takes the initiative. Let, let's pick another community. Let's go, uh, let's say the local in Calgary or whatever, a group of Metis get together. They may be their m members. They get it together. They start forming businesses together, running Métis businesses, and they start building something up. Does that mean they have to give a cut to the MA who's done nothing? Mm-hmm. Like, that's ridiculous. I mean, you know, I don't like paying taxes, but at least we do get, like, paved roads and throughout the province. Mm-hmm. My taxes might not pay for a paved back alley in my house, but they will at least pay, theoretically, for mm-hmm. something in theory, but like with these guys, what do you get? So if you are a community and you send in a cut of whatever it is into the MA, what do you see back from them? What do you get from them? And
1: well, if you're you a get, government- you get representation, Darcy, to the government. Right. That's, that's right. What, that's why they can sit there, you know, yeah. and they go to the Alberta <clears throat> government, and that's how come we have all the wonderful perks and benefits across land. <laughs> Is all, these represent, all this representation you're getting. So the communities yeah. that pull their legs up should, you know, from the m and perspective, should be kicking in mm-hmm. to their government for better representation, Absolutely. more representation. Yeah. You know, I get where they're coming from, but the reality is you, you look at the duplicity that they're talking about is you turn around to one organization and say, we see you're doing financially well and getting your head, and we've been doing this all on our own. You should be kicking into our coffers. But then they turn right around in the same week and tell the MNC, you don't represent us. We're tired of all the money going into you. We don't think you have any accountability to us. You don't, you know, you just unilaterally (laughs) decide to do things without consulting us. So we're going to go our own. Absolutely. So talk about hypocrisy. Oh, yeah. And we're not even talking about, hey, space it out a bit. You know, no, but we're not worried. They're, they're so not worried about the optics of this. They sign an MOU one week to, to undermine the MNC, and then they turn around and blast <laughs> the local for doing exactly the same thing.
0: Absolutely. When it, what's interesting, too, is they, they had a response because to the province uh, recognizing Fort Mackay. Um, and they said, we will not allow the Alberta government to unilaterally divide the Métis Nation for its own agenda. And exactly how are they not going to allow that? Yeah. What? What? Like, I I think their lawyers must do a hell lot of heavy drugs to think that you're going to take the Alberta government to court and, as a society, win. Because this is all great in the media. Yeah. But when you get into court, you are a society under the Societies
1: Act, and you are not a government. Now, that's not true, because you know... (laughs) The federal government signed an MOU yeah. with the Métis Nation of Alberta, recognizing them as a government. Yes. So they are a government. Yeah, right. And I'm pretty sure the province of Alberta cares about that MOU <coughs> as much as I do.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. They, the judge will probably wipe his butt with it. it. It's a
1: meaningless piece of paper. It's a promise. It, yeah, it's just basically meaningless words on a paper. Someday, somewhere, somehow if the MA still exists and manages to you know get their chickens in a row and get a constitution well we'll see yeah. but by then the trudeau government's not going to be in power anymore yeah and who knows what's going to happen this is all leaves down the road exactly
0: as albert al says it's a promise to have a meeting and that's really all it's ever been mm-hmm. Um, Right from the beginning when they started signing these MOUs, it was really just a promise to continue to work together. But like the funding and like everything else, next government comes in, they don't have to live to those promises. They're not legally binding. No. So it's just, it's very interesting. Um, And I just... I just don't know how they're going to, because there's other organizations in Alberta that are recognized as Métis organizations involved in land claims. And mm-hmm. I think the North Slave Métis Alliance is one of them. Yep. Uh, and then there's the territories, the Métis Nation of Northwest Territories. Yeah, they got a land claim. Yeah. So the governments recognize that there's more than one Métis government. Yeah. Um, and there really should be. I think anytime you put it all into, I mean, you have a dictatorship. Is That's what you have. Mm-hmm. Like, So to say that they're democratically elected, democratically elected by less than 10% of their own membership. Yeah,
1: like they say they have 42,000 members, and I
0: think it was only about 3,000 that turned out to vote. Yep. That's not democratic.
1: Well, and even that, though, is, is this claim that you, on one hand, represent the Métis in this province, but Stat Can, StatsCan says that there's over a hundred thousand people who self-identify as Métis, and I'm not convinced that the MA has weeded through one hundred thousand people's applications to their organizations yeah. to verify that claim. Yeah. Then, given the historic uh, <laughs> definition of Métis in two thousand and two, by by that result, you know there's people who aren't going to qualify for membership in this club. Yeah. So. The very fact is we should have, and by all numbers accordingly, a very strong counter to this conversation. Absolutely. The fact that we don't is actually very chagrining, and something we've often talked about is that we have then roughly 60,000 people in the province of Alberta claiming to be Métis who are simply unrepresented in this whole conversation, mm-hmm. who don't have a voice, an organization or anywhere, if they felt inclined, to put their support. Yeah. You know, and that's why I think when you really look at it, it's boiling over now into the fact that these locals are pulling themselves out. Yep.
0: <clears throat> well, and, and I think it speaks volumes to the fact that, um, you know, the m a has been around for what, like almost 100 years now um, or 90 some years, mm-hmm. something like that. What have they done in that 90 years? Like, of all the millions that they've gotten over the years from the government at different levels, mm-hmm. you know, they don't have anything. They've never gone to communities to work with communities to build industry, to build economic agreements. I mean, Calgary is the head office for every oil company in Alberta, every major oil company. Is the president of the MA local chapter going to those companies, sitting down with the presidents of the companies and negotiating deals? on behalf of the Métis Nation for all Métis in the
1: province? It's no. not even to negotiate deals, it's to say you can't develop these resources <laughs> in our home territory as Indigenous people without consultation. Exactly. Whether you agree with the development or not, that's never happened. No, a- that- And more chagrining and should bring light to the fact that there isn't a legal precedent in Canada that the MNC organization initiated. Yes. Powley was done and he wasn't a card carrying member of any of them. Yeah. You know, you look at Harry Daniels, he yeah. wasn't a member of any of them. So the truth is, the, some of the biggest court cases the Métis people have won were by private citizens, not by Métis nation members. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in 90 years of representation, quote unquote, in Alberta, what has the Métis nation of Alberta actually achieved for its people? Yeah. Um, uh,
0: so the feds also signed an MOU with MSGC. What's MSGC? I'm not sure. They are not MA. Um, So yeah, like, oh, the general counsel, the uh, settlements. Yeah. So, and that's the other thing. I mean, you know, there's the
1: settlements. there. I mean, for, from the federal the government standpoint, this is, this is the reality, is the government will recognize any Métis organization that shows strength. Yes. So if you look at the settlements, the settlements first became an act in Alberta, and now because they are, the federal government recognizes them. Yes. Anytime Métis people could pull themselves together enough to form another organization and get those kinds of numbers... I totally believe the Alberta government, the federal government, the whatever, you know, Saskatchewan government, whatever territory or jurisdiction you find yourself in would recognize it because they honestly don't care. They have and are willing okay. to recognize whatever organizations show strength. Yes. And, and it's a sad day that we haven't been able to cohesively unify that front and take advantage of that point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think
0: it's, I, I mean, on a you know, the more positive side of this is I do, I, I think, uh, what Ron said in his statement was, was very accurate where people are starting to wake up and they're starting to realize like, well, what has the MNA done? You know, I, I don't know how many Métis Nation of Alberta members I've talked to that when you ask them, well, what is the, what does your card get you? And they go, well, I don't know. It sits in my wallet. Well, so if, if you don't know what they're you're getting out of it, Hey, why would you vote? Why would you be active? Are they really representing you? And I think people are starting to wake up and go, why am I supporting this organization when, you know, my community is starting to do this, or this group over here is doing this? Like, and I, I really think the, the, a lot of this was, a lot of this was back when they brought up that blue blob map Mm -hmm. and said, well, you might be Métis, like you said earlier, but you never be Métis nation. Well, I think, I, I hope that a lot of people went, oh. So I don't have to be part of this crap, this whole cartel structure. i can go to be Métis, but somewhere else. And I think that's what you're
1: going to see. Well, I think it really is inevitable, inevitable because you look at communities, and especially ones, those special communities that have government-recognized uh, historical status. Yeah. So if you're in Sault Ste. Marie or you're up north in Alberta or wherever, you're going to see that as... These communities realize their ability to assert their own legal standing, they don't need these overarching representative organizations. Yeah. Because they can do what's best for them. <coughs> the other Absolutely. thing we see is how restrictive, like especially in Alberta, you look at like the Pali decision, how it's implemented, you have Metis people who by definition are a highly um, migratory people. We've you know, we've yeah. moved all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And yet when you come to exercising your harvesting rights, yeah, you're limited to 160 kilometers as the arrow flies to your home community. Yeah. So if you and I happen to, let's say, be in lac St. Anne and that was our community, well, you better not ever move. Yeah. And if you ever decide you want to go hunting, you can only do it there. Mm-hmm. So if you're in Calgary, well, you're out of luck and I'm in White Course, so I'm out of luck, we'd have to drive. Yeah to our home community, to go do absolutely, that. And I think Métis people are waking up to this fact. I think these communities are, are waking up to the fact that they're autonomous over the ability to implement and combat these problems.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, you, you know, you look at what, again, what Fort Mackay has done. I mean, they, they not only bought all the land that their community is sitting on, but they also bought uh, an old hunting fishing lodge, tourist kind of retreat place. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't being used. They bought that, and they're going to turn that into a traditional hunting space, because from there you can go out and go hunting. And yeah. so, but again, if this, if Fort Mackay can do this stuff, let's say in the last twenty years, is really when they built this all up. What has stopped the Métis Nation from doing these exact same things in communities all over Alberta, with the with the I would say probably hundreds of millions of dollars they've gotten from governments? Well,
1: now, Darcy. <laughs> That's why you have the Métis Crossing. That's right. right. I forgot. What was I thinking? But again, what's funny about that is that was a, a funded program. That's not something that came yep. from the Métis Nation of Alberta's resources. No. Nope. You know, it, it wasn't money they generated. It was it a was grant money. <coughs> and, and these yeah. kinds of things that came in again from a colonial government level to fund these projects where you're looking at like a lot of communities don't have access. And so they're on their own to try to pool their resources and do what they can. And not every community is lucky enough to be sitting on the edge of the oil well sands. Yes. So it's not always easy to pull your communities together to, to kick these projects forward. And I think that's where we're going to need more unity and more cohesiveness as on the community level, one community to the other. Yeah. To make real progress. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, uh,
0: you know, it's, it's pretty sad because, you know, when we, we ran, uh, we had a kids' youth camp that one year, and we talked about how, you know, that was, the main Nation's never done a youth camp. Well, they, they've done one since. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's kind of constant with that. It's like, every time you turn around, it's like, well, they don't do that. Well, they don't do that. Well, they don't do that. They've never done that. But they've got all these funds. So, and again, you want to talk about transparency and accountability? Where did all the money go? yeah and uh and, and for me it just always comes back to this accountability and transparency with everything they do it's like how would any
1: community trust them when you don't even know how much audrey gets paid or well, well and then you look at the value system so if you're part of an organization and you're you're part of that that group whether on the community provincial or federal level at some point it should reflect the value system of of us as metis people so if you're a Métis person, what are some of the biggest things we've heard over the last couple of years of us traveling around Western Canada? You know, we, we talk about where's the promotion of culture, you know, the preservation of language, you know, where, where's the abilities for the handing down of our traditions from elders, where the, where are these mechanisms handing, you know, taking place? And we really, for the millions of dollars that are being pumped into these organizations, because it comes with governmental strings attached, these organizations like the m and have for 90 years turned a blind eye to everything that makes us Métis. Absolutely. Yeah, I had to laugh a couple of years ago there. The m and was, they put a thing out
0: on their social media and stuff saying, hey, does anybody know how to build a Red River cart? Because we're looking for someone that knows how to do that. And I thought, well, isn't that funny that you're the government and you represent the culture, but not one single person there Has any clue how to build a Red River cart. Well, and and that was so,
1: so betraying though, the fact that you have all these locals and all, you know, you're supposed to have all these 40,000 members that you have accountability to, you know. So they write this big letter to the government saying, to the MNC saying, well, we didn't get consulted. Our membership didn't get consulted. They just unilaterally did this. But they're so connected to that membership (laughs) list. Yeah. So plugged in (laughs) to their locals. Yeah that they had to blindly post on social media. Hey man, can anybody like house bus out with a cart? Yeah. Like, you. Like, what's even... next? You're going to say, Hey man, can you, anybody know how to weave a sash anymore? <laughs> well, and that's, you know,
0: it's just, it's, it's really hilarious. I think, um, I don't know. I think we've kind of, you know, you can go on and on and on about this. I mean, the, the hypocrisy that just goes from one side to the other and they just, it's the, and the fact that they don't even see it
1: or they, I don't know, maybe they do see and They just don't care because they, they haven't had to care for 90 some years. Well, I think so. the truth for me is out of this whole scenario over the last week or so since this you know, media frenzy battle's gone on with the, yeah. these organizations is how actual <clears throat> colonial they are in their own mindset. Mm-hmm. They truly do believe they're a government. And as such, they model themselves after the, the, the colonial government. So it's fine to be a hypocrite. It's totally fine to be inconsistent. Yeah. it's fine to, to berate somebody who doesn't follow you because they're not transparent but woe to the person who challenges you on being transparent
0: absolutely absolutely and you know one of the guys here says they have an old M a card and they were never consulted about the changes to the citizenship bylaw but they all you know none of them were also consulted when they got rid of the that uh, what is that privy Council or whatever they had um, there
1: yeah the judicial council. judiciary.
0: And which has not been reinstated, even Maybe. though it was voted on a year ago.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. So where's the judiciary council? Like that was voted upon. It was passed, as far as I know. They wanted to reestablish it, and look at. So I mean, the, the truth is, as Métis people, as Indigenous people, we look at these organizations, and really, there's absolutely no difference from the yeah. way the MNA or the MNC operate than any form of our municipal or other provincial governments. Yeah, and I, I think really we would want better. Well,
0: and I, you know, I I keep always asking, like, how many levels of government does a Métis person need? So you've got federal, provincial, and municipal. Then you've got the MNA local, the MNA, the MNC. So you got, like, six levels of government to be a Métis person. For what?
1: Yeah, what does it get you?
0: Yeah, it doesn't really get you anything.
1: And I would have uh, no problem with those same you know, duplicity inside of the Métis world where I had my local and I have my provincial and I had my federal, if I could honestly say there was real representation there. Absolutely. You know, if I went to my community meetings and we were talking about land and water and rights Mm -hmm. and protecting the fish and the waters and hunting and harvesting, you know, if that was happening at the local and then our locals were getting together to push that on a provincial agenda. Yes, you know, I I get there. Hey, that makes good yeah. sense. But at the same time, ninety years down the road, we are that, that hasn't happened, and yeah. in the foreseeable future, And you know, I'm not getting any younger. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see this you know getting resolved anytime soon with these guys at the wheel.
0: No, and I think it's pretty sad that you know you have uh, the the Alberta government and the federal government can seem to get things done faster than these M and A's, the the cartels. Yeah, I mean. The province of Alberta's had a harvesting program for decades yep. that you could just apply to, and if you qualified, well, that same program is now what the MA quote unquote negotiated. Well, what did you do for ninety years? Like, you negotiated the same program the government's had for it over a decade.
1: Yeah, that was, and that was like, all based wow. on the Pali's decision. So it was yes, really a non. I mean, let's say We're going to use their lingo. It was a non-nation member who brought about these previ- the provincial implementation of harvesting rights for Metis.
0: Yeah.
1: Not not any of these organizations. So where does where does the true heart of Metis people lie? Where does its future lie? Where mm-hmm. did, where does you know it relies with individuals? Absolutely. It, it relies on the community level. Mm-hmm.
0: And I unfortunately for the MNA, I think there's more accountability. In, on the community level than there ever would be on a provincial or federal level
1: well absolutely and, and i mean uh, uh, for me personally i'm hoping that the reality is is that these guys in northern alberta will start to set the precedent for a, a reform of a community first organization yeah. i would love to see more communities break away and then reform as as community equals yeah absolutely Well, and
0: I think, you know, I think, I hope that people are starting to wake up to the hypocrisy. Are starting to wake up to the fact that these guys are just money pits. They really are just yes, yes votes for the governments. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't oppose anything real substantial that the government does. And just like the, uh, you know, Assembly of First Nations and stuff, they don't really represent people. They're just there to... To be a checkbox for the government, we consulted Indigenous. Look, we had Perry Bellegarde and Audrey portra
1: Check. Well, and, but, and like we started the show off, isn't that exactly what the MNC's done? They basically yeah. rolled over and said, "You know, shove the pipeline through." Yep, pay us whatever you, you know? pay us, and we'll just say yes. And yeah, that's well, what the MMF has done. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, they were willing to sell. What is it, a hundred years or something of yeah. of. Rights to, you know, Ontario Hydro or uh, the Manitoba, Manitoba Hydro or yeah. whatever, but, and it's just crazy things. So the fact that they say they represent people and all this stuff, it just, it kind of falls on deaf ears. I think it's, or it's starting to, it seems.
1: Well, hopefully, hopefully yeah. people are getting the message. Hopefully Métis people are going to get engaged again, because I think there's things that we could be doing. We look yeah. at how, really, how easy is it to make a community and then get that community to get recognized at the table, at, yeah. even at at the provincial level.
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, uh, one of the last comments we had here was, uh, you know, they can. These organizations always talk about nation to nation, but as we've said many times, they will never be equal to the crown. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I I hope that I hope that you know shows like ours, as Albert Alberta says, oh, the conversation's changing thanks to guys like us. I hope so. I hope people are waking up and going, what is in my wallet? Why, why do I need that? What is it for?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, maybe, maybe more communities, bigger communities. Like maybe there needs to be a separate community in, in Calgary and in Edmonton and to start businesses, to promote in Métis youth into starting businesses, to do things like that. When the MA sits there with their thumbs up their asses doing nothing for not much of anybody except for
1: their employees. Yeah. Well, and they only do what they're funded to, and and that's the yeah. real challenge. It's the things that they're not funded to that are, are really the most critical. You talk about mm-hmm. language, you talk about culture, you talk about history, and you talk about pressing for our rights. <laughs> These things all have for 90 years now been outside of the, the cartel's purview, and I think it, it we need, as many people, I think people are waking up to the fact that we need to take that back. Absolutely.
0: Well, <clears throat> I think it's uh, that's probably a pretty decent one hour live show. So I want to thank everybody that was listening. Um, and so hopefully we can do these more often, maybe once a month or something like that. Um, and yeah, have more callers in and, and see, get more opinions. Obviously I won't title it as Valentine's day show next time. Cause yeah, probably we'll get weirdos on, but, uh, <laughs> we'll try to avoid the weirdos next time. <laughs> but I do thank everybody for listening. We'll publish this as a podcast episode. Um, and uh, I can't account for sound quality, so we'll go from there. But uh, thanks for tuning in. It's been great. Yeah. So I guess uh, until next week, uh, that's it. The jig is up.